Hey everybody, wanna welcome you to our online campus here at North Point Church. We are so excited to be worshiping with you today. We, we're really today in the final week of a series that we've been in called Transition. And we've been talking about how do you relay leadership well? How do you do it God's way? Today we're gonna finish the second part of a message that we started last week. In fact, if you didn't get a chance last weekend to listen to that, I would encourage you to do it because we're really gonna pick up right where we left off from that message. We're talking about the charge of the church. What does Jesus say we ought to be? What is the church called to do? How are we supposed to live? These are the kinds of questions that we wanna respond to today. If you remember, we looked at some of what Paul said to Timothy when Paul neared the end of his ministry, when he says, for example, but you, Timothy, you certainly know what I teach and how I live, and you know what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, you know my patience, you know my love, and you know my endurance. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you've actually seen my lifestyle. You've seen how I live. And it led to one of the big points that we made last week, that if you look at the whole writing of Paul to Timothy, what you realize is he's saying two things. Here's the first one, if you just remember, that we are meant to be God's image bearers. We're meant to reflect something of who Jesus is. We are image bearers. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, go after that. He says, Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then he says to Timothy, notice as we go on, he says, Timothy, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So go after that. And then he says, preach the word of God. Preach God's word. Be prepared all the time, whether it's favorable or not. Why? Because we said not only are we image bearers, but also we're message sharers. That is the calling of the church. That is what we are meant to do. Now, I've got to say, as we talk about that today, before we go any further, often the reason people have trouble with Christianity is because, well, they say they don't have a problem necessarily with what we believe, but they don't like us to share with them what we think or what we believe. You know, they say things like, you know, Christianity is fine. I don't agree with all of it. You know, religion is fine, except there's one thing I object to. You all preach at people. <laughs> you all try and push your beliefs on others and you try and convert people to religion. And so they look at Christians and they say, that's awfully narrow-minded. It's bigoted and it's inappropriate and you shouldn't do that. They say, apart from that, it's fine. But they say, don't preach at me. Now, friends, I just got to tell you, for some people, that way of thinking sounds reasonable. It, it sounds right. But I'm going to tell you, it's really not. Because if you change that one thing about Christianity, you change everything. Here's why. You can't say, I want to be like Jesus, or I want to live like Jesus, if you're not willing to say the things that Jesus said, if you're not willing to do the things that Jesus did. It's sort of like, you could say, I like everything about ice cream, except that it's frozen. But I'm going to tell you, if you take away the frozenness, you have something, 
but you don't have ice cream. You have something. You might have soup. You might have syrup, a sugary syrup. It's something, but it's not ice cream anymore. And if you take that one thing away from Christianity, you don't have Christianity. And so this is why Paul just read this fascinating story out of John's Gospel, chapter 4, where it says Jesus Christ came into a town called Samaria intentionally, and he actually went to share the gospel with a woman. And, of course, you, you remember what happened. It says that the disciples returned, and they were surprised to find Jesus talking to a woman. And then it says she was so excited about the conversation. It meant so much to her that it says she left her water jar and she went to other people in the community, the townspeople, and she said, come and see a man who just told me everything about my life, everything I've ever done. And then she said, could this be the Christ? The disciples looked at Jesus. They were surprised he's talking to a woman. So they said, Rabbi, you need to eat something. But notice, Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he looks at his disciples and he said, you guys have got to open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ripe for harvest. And of course, he's referencing people. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen to me. Jesus is saying more important than eating. He's saying more important than drinking. Jesus says, I'm sharing. And he actually chastises the disciples because the disciples don't share the heart of Jesus in this. They don't have the same heart. And I want to say this to you. There are lots of Christians today that are a lot like those disciples. They really don't share the heart of Jesus when it comes to sharing. And if you look at the ch many of the church today, much of the church today, you, you realize that people are dying, their souls are shriveling, and it's from a lack of mission. It's that people aren't living to communicate the good news like, like we ought to. A lack of mission. Notice John 4 goes on and it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And notice it says, and because of his words, because sometimes you have to use words, it says, because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we don't just believe because of what the woman now said. Now we've heard from ourselves this Jesus, and we know this man really is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Why? Because the gospel teaches that there's a message to share. And friend, listen to me. You can't understand Christianity without it. And you can't have a part of Christianity unless you're willing to share it. Because, see, without sharing it, you have something. But it's not Christianity that you have. So what I want to do before I'm done is I want to talk to you about the two reasons that we share the gospel and then I want to give you some tips on how to share it. But first, I want to talk to you about why we have to share it. And by the way, when we talk about sharing, I want to encourage you to, uh, Pastor Andrew, our missions pastor, he's going to put together a workshop that will teach you the basics of how to share the gospel because it really is quite simple. He's going to teach you the easiest possible way to communicate good news. All you have to do is if you take out your smartphone right now and you text the word 
um, SHARE to 58124. Just text SHARE to 58124. uh, And uh, they'll get a message to Pastor Andrew. He'll tell you all about the workshop. I encourage everybody to do this because God says we gotta be sharing this stuff. Sounds good? All right, let's talk about why we share. First, here's the first reason. Write this down in your notes. The Bible teaches that we have to share because of truth. See, if you go back to the conversation, what what has Jesus talked about with her? Really two things. Jesus has talked to the woman about her sin. That's the first thing. In fact, it's interesting because if you remember last week what we said the gospel is, the gospel in a nutshell, the news of Jesus Christ in a nutshell is really this. In fact, you'll see it coming up on the screen. I've just defined what the gospel is for you. If you just take a look at this definition. The gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. See, there's two parts to that. And the first part of that is tough. Tough for people. The second part is surprising. What's the first part? The first part is that we're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Now, Jesus goes to this woman and he shows her that. In fact, in this conversation with the woman, it starts out about water. And if you know what happens, if you go earlier in the story, he uses water to strike up a conversation. But then he starts talking to this woman about her multiple sexual partners. And he brings her to see an assessment of her life. And so what does she say? We read it. She said, here's a man who told me everything I ever did. But here's what's fascinating. Instead of being repulsed by it, that she's actually more flawed and sinful than she ever dared believe, she actually accepts it. Why? Well, because he doesn't just share that. He also shares himself. He says, you're also more loved than you have ever dared to hope. And he shares himself and he begins to say, I'm the provision you need. I'm what you're looking for that you didn't even know you were looking for. He says, you're loved. And when she sees the truth of those two things, what the gospel is, everything changes. Why? Friend, listen to me. It's because the truth of the news brings power into people's lives. I think, for example, of a family that attends North Point. Uh, They've attended for the last few years. And I won't forget, last year they posted this. In fact, they just reposted it again, a little testimony. And Irene said, there's so much changes in the last seven years, now eight years, from dealing with hurts and pains and struggles and thinking I can do life alone. Then me and my husband made the decision to put Jesus into our lives, into our marriage and into our family. It's the best choice we've ever made. It's amazing to look back and really see how God has changed us all. The growth as individuals and as a family. There's still so much more work ahead and we're looking forward to what he has in store for our lives and our children. Now, what happened in their lives? The same thing that happened in the woman's life. They heard the gospel, the good, the, the bad news and the good news. You have a need. You don't even realize how needy you are. But there is absolute hope and love in Jesus Christ. Now, friends, listen to me. We have to share this message because it's true. What, what does news mean, by the way? Because the gospel is good news. So what's news all about? News 
is usually showing somebody a part of reality that they need to know in order to have their life changed, in order to have the power that they need to have. Now, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. You know that that's what news is. That's how news works. Let me give you an example. Let's, let's take medicine, for example. Did you know for a long time, people believed that smoking was, was good for your health? In fact, I just found some old advertisements for smoking years ago. You know, you just look at this doctor that endorses and says, you know, smoke a fresh cigarette as if there's any such thing. And uh, here's another one where it says 20,679 physicians say luckies are less irritating. And they used to tell you, actually smoke because it's healthy for your throat. Or look at this dentist advertisement. Viceroys filter the smoke. And so dentists are saying, you should smoke Viceroys. Or I loved this one. Why physicians call our new brand a health cigar. See, there was once upon a time in history that people actually believed if they smoked, it was gonna have a health benefit to them until medical science discovered something. They discovered, oh no, that's actually wrong. Actually, smoking's bad for you. Actually, smoking can kill you, and so what did they do? Well, they, they took out articles, and they took out newsprint, and they, and they started to communicate to people, hey, there's something bad here. We have some bad news that's actually really good news because it's informing you of a reality that you didn't know before. Friends, Christianity has always been to deal in truth. Now let me ask you a question. Is it narrow-minded for a group of doctors to say, hey, we've discovered that you're sucking in poison? Of course it's not. But the gospel is declaring a truth that people really do need to know. And I know some of you are thinking right now, well, yeah, but religious truth isn't like that physical truth. And if you, if you think that, I just say, well, be very careful. Because now you're redefining truth. And now if you say that, if you say, well, Christianity isn't a truth like that's a truth, then you understand the implication of what you're saying. You're saying that people could never know spiritual truth. People could never understand emotional and spiritual realities. The fact is, is that there are truths that aren't physical. Here's a truth that's not physical. I love my wife. Now, can I quantify that for you? Can I prove that to you the same way I can prove a physical truth? No, but it's still true. There's moral truth. Let me give you an example. Murder is wrong. Now, notice I'm not saying murder is wrong for you. <laughs> Or, hey, murder, you know, for me, murder's wrong. No, 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 murder is objectively wrong. There are truths that are truths. How about this? Racism is wrong. Now, notice, I'm not saying, well, racism is wrong for you, brother, but it's okay for me. No, no, no. See, there are truths that are objective truths. And the gospel is giving concrete news about an objective truth that, yes, you are more in need than you ever thought possible, but there is a God that loves you more than you've ever hoped or dreamed. Those are the two truths of the gospel. Now, we share it because of truth. Here's the second reason we share it. We share it because of love, if you just write that down. See, the first one is our mandate. It's the mandate to truth, but the second one is our motive. We're motivated by love. Now, why do I say that? It's because there are a lot of people today that say, you know, if you're going to try and convert somebody to your religion, you must feel superior to them. 
In fact, I've actually heard people say to me, well, I'm a Christian, but who am I to tell somebody else what they believe? Who do I think I am? And guys, I'm just gonna say, that sounds humble, and it sounds right, but it's not right. (laughs) Because what you're doing is, you're saying whoever tries to convince someone or persuade them of the truth of Christianity, they must be motivated by superiority. And I would just ask you, is that what you think motivated Jesus? in his sharing of the truth? Is that what you think motivated the woman? I mean, let's just go back to the story. The woman is essentially the town's loose woman. Everybody knew who she was. This woman doesn't have a sense of superiority. She's not ruling anything over anybody. She's saying, come and see, come and meet a man that I've met that's told me everything about my life. Could this be the Christ? And she's enthusiastic to go share. Why? It's not because of superiority, friend. It's because she's met him. And she's fallen in love. Jesus says to her, I'm what you've been looking for. Jesus says, come and be satisfied by me. Jesus says, eat at my table. Take upon yourself my strong name. And she's fallen in love. And she has to share. I know about that because that's my motive in sharing. I'm not superior to anybody, but I do know I have found a hope. And so I invite people and I say to them, let me show you something of a reality that that I've come to know and I want you to know. And it might sound like bad news, but the bad news is actually good news because it's showing you something about life and how you're meant to live and it'll bring you joy. That's what the good news is. Now, those are the two reasons we have to share scripturally, the two reasons that Jesus shared. Let me take some time and talk to you about how to do it. How do you share? And I just want to give you five simple thoughts, and then we'll be done today. You ready? Five simple thoughts. Just write these down. Here's the first thing that you and I have to do. You and I have to embrace all people in what I'm going to call radical friendship. Now, this is the second week I've used the word radical. You have to understand, I'm an 80s kid, and it's almost like I can find no better word than radical to express how emphatically what I'm trying to say. Radical friendship. I mean, friendship that you might think, well, I couldn't be friends with them. I say this because, friends, don't let yourself be divided from people. I know that seems obvious, and some of you may be thinking, yeah, I get that. But I'm going to tell you, everybody says they love people. But one of the reasons a lot of people hate Christians trying to convert them is because they see such poor examples. You know, when I was not pastoring and I was working in, um, in more of the secular workforce, I worked in social services. And I'll never forget, the average Christian person in the workplace would send lots of emails out about Jesus and lots of uh, conservative statements and lo- just lots of information and sharing lots of cute pictures and stuff. And they would send that out. But then these very same people I would see in business meetings or I would see in planning meetings or staff meetings. And man, if, if you did something that they weren't happy about, they'd, I mean, they'd rip you a new one, man. <laughs> they'd scream at you, they'd yell at you, they'd become irritated with you. All the while, they're sending out cute verses and, and sharing about how Jesus has changed their life. It's such a poor example. Christians that get divided over people's political views. Christians that get divided over people's lifestyle choices. Christians that get divided over mask wearing. Christians that get divided over all this stuff. And what I'm saying to you is, 
The gospel teaches that we need to embrace all people no matter who they are or where they come from. You go back to the story and you see this is exactly what Jesus Christ has done. He's taken a woman and he's made her his friend. In fact, the reason the disciples, listen, the reason they're so amazed is because, number one, if you know the story, a Jewish man is not supposed to speak to a woman in public. Second, Jews aren't supposed to associate with Samaritans. There was a huge ethnic hatred from Jews to Samaritans. There were huge racial tensions, and one was not supposed to talk to the other. Jesus approaches her anyway. Jesus intentionally goes to where she is in Samaria. Third, she's a loose woman. She's completely immoral. He says, you've had five lovers. I know your life. So the disciples are looking at Jesus, and they're saying, Jesus, what in the world are you doing talking to her? What does Jesus do? Jesus gets past the sex bias. Jesus gets past the race bias. Jesus gets past the political bias. He gets past the moral bias. And he reaches out without condemnation to somebody whose life is completely wrong. Friend, that's an example for you and me and how we're supposed to live. All people in radical friendship. We love them. Listen to me, friend, you are only as good at sharing the gospel with people as you are at friendship. Do you know that? You can preach at people all you want. Somebody said years ago, I'll never forget it. They said, you know, the way Jesus did evangelism is so different than the way we do evangelism. You see, what we do is we preach at people and we try and answer questions they're not asking us. But Jesus, he walked around and told stories and asked people questions. He just did it so naturally and differently, and he embraced all people. But you're only as good as sharing as you are friendship. You've got to build a bridge of trust. But I'd say the opposite is also true. You're only as good at friendship as you are sharing. Why? It's because a friend gives a friend what they need. And if you're a friend and you have the hope of Jesus, and you've not shared this reality with your friend, you've not really been a friend. Because a friend says, let me tell you what I see. A friend says, let me tell you what my heart says. A friend says, let me tell you a little bit about a reality that I've come to know. Now, I told you, when I used to work in the secular workforce, I knew that the average Christian, they would send out cute emails or they would, um, or they would join the Bible study and, and do those things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I got to tell you, I made it a goal to decide I'm not going to actually join a Bible study and I'm not going to send out all those emails or anything. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to start building friendships and go out of my way to have lunch with people that I know aren't believers. And I'm going to start doing life with them and loving them and caring about them and hearing about them and, and uh, just embracing them. And over time, what happens is people start to know a difference in your life and they start asking you questions. Shane, you seem like you're kind of religious. Why is that? Or Shane, I've noticed that when we do go do this, you tend to do this, and why is that? Or I, I used to have the question a lot, faith seems pretty important to you, why is that? Now that was without a single email declaring anything, and I'm not saying again we shouldn't do that stuff, I'm just saying it has to be backed by friendship. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, if you're not going to be their friend, who will? 
You know, at North Point, um, we have this card around here. It looks like the one I'm holding up here, the one on the screen. It's called an impact card, and we've, we've used this for years. I love it because if you, if you look at the back of the impact card, it, uh, it has a space for you to write down three names where you can, you can just jot down the names of three individuals that you, don't, you know don't have the hope of Jesus, you know are not serving God, but you know that in the next year you would love to be able to share with them the reality that you've come to know. And we love to hand these out. In fact, we hand these out in our core 201 through our core classes that you gotta go through. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you want one of these, if you just email pastorshaneatnorthpoint.org, uh, we'll make sure that we mail you one of these or uh, we just love to get them in your hands. But the point is, just, just write down names of people that you can start praying for, that you can start making friends with. And I'd encourage you, make 2021, the end of this year in 2021, the year that you're gonna reach people in the name of Jesus. Again, I just say to you, that workshop about how to share the gospel that we're gonna do out of this message, if you just text the word share, to the number 58124, we'd love to get you into that workshop so that you could easily just share with people the hope that you have. All right, I said five quick, quick, simple things I wanna give you. Let me give you the second one. You gotta be willing to meet people where they are, not necessarily where you are, if you'd write that down. Now, what do I mean? I mean that you meet people on their level, not your level. You meet people on their terms, not necessarily your terms. It's at their point of need. It's in their condition. It's in their situation. And when you do that, you build trust. Because meeting people where they are is how Jesus always does things. You look to Philippians chapter 2, for example, and it says, you and I need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, it says he gave up divine privilege. He took a humble position being born as a human. And so what you and I do is we say, just like Jesus, I'm gonna meet people where they are socially. I'm gonna meet people where they are relationally. I'm gonna meet people where they are um, in every way. Now, you know who was amazing at this? Is Pastor Eddie Crane. In fact, you can see a picture of Pastor Eddie here. If you don't know Pastor Eddie, uh, Pastor Eddie was our children's pastor at North Point for lots and lots of years. And he's just... Pastor Eddie's an amazing guy. And uh, he's with Jesus now in heaven. He left us uh, five years ago. In fact, you can see that um, he was so good with people. I'm wearing a shirt today, and, uh, and it's a tribute to Pastor Eddie. But uh, I just love this guy. In fact, here's a picture of Pastor Eddie um, with my son when we adopted him. This was our adoption day. And Pastor Eddie had a way about him with all people, but kids especially, that he always just loved them right where they were and could speak their language. In fact, I mentioned this shirt. Uh, Pastor Kevin has made this shirt because today marks, again, five years since Eddie's passing. And Pastor Kevin made the shirt that I'm wearing. If you want to see the back of it, they'll put a picture here. And uh, we have these today. In fact, Pastor Kevin has these if you want to get one of them. But uh, all the proceeds goes toward a late camp for kids. And that's an awesome thing. But but when I started thinking about how Jesus meets people where they are, I think of this guy, Pastor Eddie. In fact, here's a great picture of Pastor Eddie. Just look at this one. This is what you often saw him do. He's just bending over just to meet a kid at their level. Now, he does that physically, but I'm gonna say to you, that's a picture of how Jesus meets us. That's a picture of Philippians 2. He's patient with us. He teaches us. And he says, you're to have the same attitude 
that Jesus had. We meet them socially where they are. Again, physically where they are. We meet them geographically where they are because that's how we did it. In John 4, Jesus goes out of his way. He didn't have to go through Samaria, but he went through Samaria. And he comes to this woman who's drawing water and he uses it as an interest story. He says, here, uh, will you give me a drink? Because you go where they are geographically. Last week, for example, I told you all about Kerman. And uh, Kerman, there's these great families in Kerman. You see their picture coming up here, and they're putting together a video venue. It's, it's really going to be probably our first multi-site of people that are just gathering in Kerman and uh, being a part of our worship at North Point Church, and they're meeting in a barn. Guys, it, this is an awesome thing. It's just pretty amazing. In fact, uh, there is a church in Easton. I just report to you because we talked about Kerman last week. I just report to you there is a church in Easton that New Life Church uh, who was starting a new thing connected to sandals in Riverside, and they were getting rid of their chairs. So now the church in Easton, shout out to that amazing church. Look at this. Just this weekend, they gave these chairs to the folks in uh, Kerman. And so now they've got 100 plus more chairs for people to be meeting in. And it's just the coolest thing. People wanting to, now what are they doing? They're wanting to go where people are and reach their community. That's godly. They're not the same, the only ones, by the way. For example, I'd like for you to meet a couple right here. This is Trevor and Wendy uh, Devers. And Trevor and Wendy have attended North Point for the last five years. And uh, these guys do ministry with Hume Lake. They're an incredible couple. I just had lunch with them on Friday. And they're an amazing couple. And they're wanting to do the very same thing that Kerman's doing it, but they're going to do it in Prather, California. And uh, I want to say to you, if you're anywhere near the Prather area, you live in the mountains, anywhere near there, they're going to start with a small group, and they want to know you. This is an incredible couple. And uh, man, Wendy is full of life, and Trevor's such a cool guy. And so if you just say, man, I, I kind of live close to that area, and you want to hook up for small group, they're going to be starting one. But they'd like eventually to see that small small group also to become a North Point Prather. It's an amazing thing. And uh, these folks are really cool. They've got a great ministry background. But you see, this is all because, guys, we're learning how to do online campus. The, you know, our statistics of meeting people where they are online during this COVID season have been amazing. Since we started in March, in fact, Kim, who leads this on our staff team, she said, online alone, we've had 170 people pray to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We've had 227 people join in prayer sessions and chats where they've, where they've asked God, somebody to pray with them and ask God for help. Listen to this. We've had 18,699 unique attenders that, that are new and joining us. And that means they've loaded the page during service time and watched. Now, none of those stats include our student ministries. It doesn't include CR. It doesn't include Facebook. It's just our North Point Live. Why? Because when COVID hit, we said, we're going to meet people where they are. We're going to speak their language. When Jesus meets the woman, what does he do? Again, he uses water. He says, I'll tell you, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is saying there's a reality that you don't know, that I want you to know. But you notice the interesting thing about Jesus is, Jesus doesn't use the same approach for everybody. To the woman, he uses water. 
But if you, it's amazing that John chapter three and John chapter four, there's these two stories back to back. To the woman, he beats around the bush and he talks about water. But then in John chapter three, when he approaches a theologian by the name of Nicodemus, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't use an interest store and talk about water. He just gets right to business. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you. Your miraculous signs are evidence. Jesus says, you must be born again. He gets right to the point. He doesn't feel the need to go in any other, other kind of conversation. He just hits them right where he is. Why? Because Jesus always meets people where they are. And the fact of who they are changes his style. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, this is not in your notes. Paul says it this way, just like Jesus. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring Jews to Christ. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not know Jewish law, I live apart from the law so that I can bring Gentiles to Christ. Paul says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. I want to bring the weak to Christ. He says, I try to find common ground with everything, doing everything that I can to save some. I do everything, he says to spread the good news and share and it's blessing you meet people where they are now guys I just want to share a couple of things uh, with you related to vision number one because we meet people where they are especially during this time of COVID I want to invite you to join our online ministry team we actually need, because there are so many people joining us for online services, we need more prayer partners. We need people who will get online and respond to people when they click, I need prayer today, and just pray with them over chat. It's amazing. We need hosts to join us online that are willing to, to be a part of just greeting people and creating an online lobby, if you will, and creating community. But we do need you to join our ministry team because the need is there. You could do that from your home. What you do is Kim's going to put a link in the, in the conversation, in the thread of uh, this broadcast today, and you just click the link about serving online. Because everything we do, we have this in mind, to meet people. You know, I, I want to say one other thing. I said a couple of things. During this time of COVID, one of the most challenging ministries that we have as a church is our NP Kids ministry. Our children's ministry. In fact, I, I mentioned to you that we have these impressive statistics for our adults and our students, but our kids, we do not have impressive statistics for. In fact, our kids are not tuning in like we want. In fact, I shared with you some great statistics. Pastor uh, Travis tells me for our kids, we have about 30 total views weekly across birth decay, first to fourth, and fifth and sixth. 30. Of the hundreds and hundreds of kids, 30 views. Now, the reasons are obvious. They're kids. And they need parents to get them online a lot of the time. They need parents to mark it in their schedule as to when they're doing church and, and get them online. But there are other reasons. Kids spend all day in their classroom, in Zoom classrooms now. And of course, kids, kids get tired of doing Zoom and talking to people over Zoom. And so we know that. And so kids aren't excited to get on. We're just doing the best we can. There are obvious reasons. But I want to say to you, because we want to meet kids where they are, we have an idea. We have a vision. Because as much as kids don't want to be in Zoom, I'm going to tell you, if you've got kids, you know this, kids love love YouTube. 
I mean, they go after YouTube. My son will be in Zoom classroom all day. He will get off and he wants to go watch some YouTube video or something silly. He likes to watch other kids play video games online. Here's a picture of my son, by the way. I just turned to him the other night when I was writing this message and there he is watching another kid play games online on YouTube. Kids love watching that. They love silly videos. They love seeing kids play with toys online. Look at these little girls. I mean, all the kids just love this. If you just go to that next picture for me. Here's what we want to do. We know that kids still love going to YouTube. So what we want to do is we want to launch an NP Kids YouTube channel where we're using NP Kids to do gaming and, and maybe weekly unboxing a new toy or you know doing silly stuff. Here's why. You can use anything to communicate the hope of Jesus. You can turn anything into a parable. Jesus used seeds. Jesus used figs. Jesus used wine. He used farming. He used water. And he used all these things to communicate truth. Now, we could use video games. We could use, um, we could use you know, some junk food. We can use whatever we want and do silly things. But we want to make it appealing for kids to tune in. Now, Guys, this is where I need you, and I want to cast a vision for you. For us to launch a YouTube channel that we do weekly, it takes a tremendous amount of effort. And so I need people that know how to edit video. I need people that can film stuff or want to learn how to film things. I need people that, uh, that even, even if you're not great at video editing, you're willing to give it a go and be trained. And look, I'm looking for high school kids. I'm looking for college kids. I'm looking for adults. Maybe you're an adult professional in the media business and you know how to do what we're talking about. We need you. And we we want to put together a team that will join our production team, but as volunteers help create the silliest, craziest. I haven't seen any other church do this, but using YouTube to create stuff that your kids are going to be begging you to let them watch even after they've been online for school. It's going to be an awesome thing. So I so just want to make sure that you're aware of that. Let us know. In fact, just, just like everything else, if you just email me, Pastor Shane at North Point, and just say NP Kids on it, I'll know what it's for. I'll know it's for being a part of this digital team. Again, I need people who want to be silly, get on video, do some filming, do some video editing, and uh, we're going to get you trained up and get you to do it. So let, let's accomplish that together. Number three, let me give you the third thing, third tip. Number three, don't try to be interesting. Get interested. Don't try to be interesting for people. Get interested in people. Now, one of the reasons so many people hate Christians trying to convert them is because Christians sometimes act like know-it-alls. We preach at people. And when people don't change as fast as we think they ought to, we criticize them. And guys, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work. People need to first know that you care about them. In fact, it would be refreshing if some non-believer were to ask you as a Christian a question and you were to say, that's a great question. I have no idea. Because it would demonstrate a quality of humility that's appealing to people. And people want to know you're interested in their life. You're, you're interested in their thoughts, in their situation, in their feelings, that you're building a bridge of friendship. Or how about this? How about just inviting somebody to church? Saying, look, I come and see. By the way, there are two types of evangelism for Christians. Listen to me. This is in your notes, but you might want to write this down. There's an evangelism that is come and see. You see that with Jesus. People would 
experience Jesus and they'd go tell their friends and they'd say, come and see this man. Come into my home and experience this. And then there's another kind of evangelism called go and tell. And that's where Jesus said, go into all the world and tell them the good news. Guys, we need to do both. Some of you will be great at come and see. Others are good at go and tell. We should all do a little bit of both. Here's what I'm saying. Getting interested in people and building a bridge of friendship, then it can turn into an easy thing like, hey, come and see this Wednesday night our Thanksgiving Eve service. And man, I've experienced something at North Point that I just want to share with you. You're my neighbor. You're my friend. I just, I just want to tell you about this. Or, man, we're entering into the holidays and we're going to kick off a series of messages that we're calling Snapshots of a Savior. Any Sunday for Christmas. And maybe you'd say, you know, come to our 11 o'clock service outside. I'll meet you. People are wearing masks. You don't have to fear. And, and people are social distancing. But come. And because Christmas is a great time to go to church. Or, you know, uh, Paul already mentioned a little earlier, we have all these events coming up for Christmas. And I want to, in fact, as you look at this next screen, I want to encourage you to go to northpoint.org. Because if you go to northpoint.org, you're going to see all these shareables and stuff that you can get on your phone, uh, information that you can connect to and stuff you can post on social media, but it's about all the Christmas events. We're going to turn our campus into a light show. We're going to have events here. We're going to have uh, what uh, uh, an event where you can walk around and, and just experience cool music to lighting. It's going to be an amazing time. You can have cocoa. You can have some food and just hang out. It's going to be amazing, but invite them. Just come and see. Get interested in them and invite them to join you. Then number four, a couple things will be done. Number four, write this down. You gotta practice what you preach. <laughs> Guys, people need to see that you're real. Because people are tired of phonies. In fact, I'm kind of excited because once we get through Christmas and our last message of the year, before we kick off 2021, in January, we're gonna start a series that we're calling The Real Deal. And we're actually gonna be talking about practicing your faith in a cynical world. Because people look at Christians today, millennials especially, like never before, are cynical about the church. And they, they want to have nothing to do with the church, many of them, because they've looked at people and they've said, guys, you talk a big game, but you're not living the life, not really. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be the real deal and practice your faith when people are looking at you. We're going to talk about your inner life. We're going to talk about your public life. We're going to talk about your family life and your private life and your work life. We're going to meddle a little bit because the new year is a time where people are saying, I want to do things differently. And we're going to talk about how do you do things differently as we hit those domains of a person's life. My goodness. Jesus spoke to the religious leaders of his day and he said, you know, you'd think these Jewish leaders and these Pharisees were Moses, the way they keep making up so many laws that people have to follow. But then he criticized him and he says, here's the problem with them. They don't do what they tell you to do, you notice. They load you with impossible demands that they themselves don't even try to keep because everything they do is for show. And guys, we have to be so careful that we don't fall into that. It has been tragic for me as a pastor to see the number of pastors that have fallen into moral, secret moral sin 
and they haven't excused themselves from ministry or vacated their job until they've gotten caught and it's become scandalous over the last two years. The number of ministry leaders and spiritual leaders and pastors that have been found out. Guys, we've got to seek God. We've got to have humility and repentance. We've got to start calling on God, which leads to the fifth and final thing, and then we'll be done. If we're going to really make a difference in people's lives, if we're going to be message sharers, then I just ask you to start giving yourself to prayer. You know, just after Nicodemus, <laughs> I talked about Jesus went to Nicodemus and said, you must be born again. And just before the woman at the well, Jesus went to be baptized by John. And John was talking to the religious leaders of his day. And he said something fascinating, John did. If you take a look at this, he said, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. Guys, we could work and we could work and we can work and we can do our best, but if God's not empowering it, it's meaningless. And I'm asking you as one of the pastors here at North Point Church, if you, like never before, would give yourself personally to prayer, to calling on God, you know, for the last, I don't know, six months, I have been getting up and coming to North Point. I, I have my own quiet time I typically do in the morning and my own workout time that I typically do. But I decided at least one day a week, I'm going to get down here at North Point to meet with people at 6 a.m. to give God the start of the day. And we've been doing Tuesday morning what we call early morning prayer. It's not the only day. There are men that meet on Wednesday morning for prayer and men's group. But this is a co-ed group. In fact, see these pictures here of just people meeting and just spending time with God. Now, one of the reasons why I have a vision for this is because not only are we calling on God together, but this happens in the lounge every Tuesday morning at six, but not only are we calling on God together, but if you're somebody and you say, you know, Pastor Shane, I don't, I don't really know how to have a quiet time. I don't really know how to spend time with Jesus. Well, when you come in, you're just gonna find there's worship music playing, and it's not that we have a prayer meeting where we all talk the whole time. It's really your quiet time. You find a couch, you find a place to kneel, you find a chair, and you can spend time in God's word, you spend time in prayer, and then before we leave for work, we just make a, a nice socially distant circle and we just pray together. Now, it's an awesome thing. You're welcome to join us, and we're, we're having to stick to 10, and uh, we don't have 10 people showing up right now because of the new rules here in California, but, but I'll tell you what we're going to start this Tuesday. We're going to start, as a part of our Tuesday morning, a virtual prayer room. So you can have it down here at North Point with some, a few people that come, but we're also going to allow you to, from the comfort of your home, you can just come into a Zoom meeting and we're going to be showing you this prayer room and we're going to be playing worship music and from your living room or your kitchen, you can just join us and have your quiet time with God and we'd love that. In fact, all you have to do, I keep using this email because there's a lot of things we're talking about, but if you just email Pastor Shane at North Point, let us know. I want to be on Zoom prayer, virtual prayer, just something like that. And I'll get you a link and a password just to join us on Zoom. And uh, you can join us for quiet times if you want to do that. It'll be a virtual option. But my goodness, I'd encourage you to do it. You know, one of my greatest convictions is a quote by Billy Graham. He said, you know, prayer is the real work. Evangelism is just mopping up after. If we were a church that laid ourselves before God and just called on him. 
theologian by the name of uh, Sidlow Baxter, he once said, I can just imagine Satan and all the demons in hell discussing what they can do to destroy Christians. And Satan says, keep them from praying because no matter what else they do, if they don't pray, we can beat them every time. But if they learn how to pray, they'll beat us every time. So keep them from praying. Guys, give God the start of your day. Spend time with Jesus every day. If you don't know how to do it, join us on Tuesdays. You'll learn how to do it just by watching. And let's call on God together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how good and gracious you are to us. We thank you that you meet us right where we are. Help us to do the same with people. Help us to love people. Help us to be like you. As you're praying with me right now, just in the comfort of your home, I just want to say to you, you know, Jesus said, I have a food that, that you know nothing about, he said to his disciples. You may be at home, and I'm just going to say, again, there are a lot of us dying because of a lack of mission. Our souls are being shriveled up because we're not doing what God's called us to do. You may be listening and praying with me right now, and the biggest mission of your life is to make money to keep up your standard of living and you know your soul is weak because you're not living for the higher purposes of God and I just pray over you, Father, empower these to live for you like never before, to walk after you like never before and to be the people that you've called them to be. God, we are the church. We take up your charge and we wanna preach the gospel whether the time is favorable or whether it's not. Help us to do it, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. I'd just like to say, if you'd like to receive Jesus today, just let us know. We'd love to pray with you. Again, you can click raise a hand or click and ask somebody for prayer online. We'd love to be praying with you. There are people that would do that. Um, if you text the word today to the number 58124, the same number you're gonna text share to if you wanna join the workshop on how to share the good news of Jesus. But if you just text today, it's gonna send you information about how you could know Jesus Christ. We'd love to get that information into your hands. Guys, we love you. We thank you for being a part of worship with us today. Hope you make it a great day. I'm gonna turn it back to our host. God bless you.